Okay. Well, today we're actually uh, starting a new preaching series. It's a short series. We're calling it Exploring Worship. And uh, it's just going to run for five weeks. So we're taking a book from our study, uh, sorry, a break from our study of the book of Galatians, uh, which we've been looking at over the last few months. And uh, we're going to be um, exploring what is worship. And I do want to encourage us that as we approach uh, this week and the next four weeks, uh, please let's come with that attitude of, I'm here to learn more about what it is to have a worshipping lifestyle. I'm here to meet with God. I'm here to uh, learn together. I'm here to deepen that relationship with Almighty God, that sense of discovery and exploration, being reminded of old truths as well as learning new truths together. And um, a bit of a quick heads up, while today is um, our more normal format for a Sunday, the following four weeks will be very different. And so that's just a quick warning. Um, If you like normal, I'm sorry, normal service may may or may not be resumed come September, Um, But certainly for these next four weeks after today, uh, we're going to be doing things quite differently. All the children are going to be joining with us, and uh, we'll be making the meeting somewhat shorter. And uh, we're going to be learning together, particularly over these next four weeks, what corporate worship, what worshipping together uh, looks like, how it works, what it feels like. Uh, We're going to be going on a journey of exploration. That's the best way I can put it. So I hope you'll come prepared for that. I hope you'll come uh, uh, ready to meet with God on those occasions and to uh, perhaps do things differently in a way which will help all of us actually deepen our relationship with God and grow in our understanding of how we uh, express our corporate worship together. Today, uh, what we're going to be looking at is a big picture view on what is worship. What do we mean by this word worship? And uh, I guess we need to just recognize, first of all, that worship isn't a concept which is uniquely Christian. In fact, it's not even a concept which is uniquely to do with faith. Worship happens in all sorts of ways, in all sorts of places, Really, wherever mankind is, you'll find worship. And I think that's an interesting thing, that man has been made to worship. And if man isn't going to worship Almighty God, then man will find other things to worship. And so whether you're at a a pop concert and you see people with hands in the air worshipping the music or the band or the musician behind that concert... Uh, Whether you're at a Premier football match or even not a Premier League football match, perhaps a more local one, and uh, uh, often still filled with worshippers and people who are are there to celebrate their heroes' achievements or their team's achievements. Uh, Worship gets expressed in all sorts of ways, even in, uh, despite the retail downturn in the UK, you will find people out in the streets of our towns and cities, in our shopping malls, uh, shopping centres, and uh, they'll be out there to worship. Worship getting hold of possessions and uh, materialism and other types of expression of worship and delight that actually that's where people, uh, some people will find their fulfilment. Their, their joy will be in what they can acquire or their experiences. 
um, on a lovely day. I'm not quite sure how much the sun is out today or not. If you, on a really warm sunny day, we used to live in Bournemouth. Um, sometimes we had over 100,000 people on the beach, believe it or not. In Bournemouth, they used to record those sort of numbers. You found worshippers, people who are out to worship maybe the sun and getting a tan or other expressions of devotion to something. Webster's Dictionary describes worship as to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. And you know, many of us will worship all sorts of different things because man's been made to worship. We were made, though, to, for the worship of God. That's why you know, in the Ten Commandments, in, uh, you know, it says, have no other gods before me, no idols. Well, why would, why would that be stated if it wasn't that man is going to be tempted to worship all sorts of things? That's part of our DNA. We're made, we're designed to worship. The question is, who or what? How? How are we going to express that? So let's try and understand what the Bible means by worship. If you were to dig back into uh, the Hebrew and the Greek of the Bible and to look at some of the words used to express aspects of praise or worship, for example, in the Old Testament, you'll end up with words such as kneeling in adoration, to raise hands in praise or celebration, of singing, of shouting. Yes, shouting. Do you know, church, we're allowed to shout when we gather together because God's good. We can also kneel. We can put our hands up in worship. We can sing of, uh, of different types of music, of dancing, of clapping. You know, there are lots and lots of different words used to describe worship, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, I guess one of the best places to look is Psalms. You know, the book of Psalms, it talks about lots of different expressions of worship. And I'd like to encourage you, if you've never read the book of Psalms, why not start reading the book of Psalms? Because it's amazing how people express their delight in God. Somebody once said to me, you know, if you're ever in trouble, if you ever want to find a way of expressing sentiment to God, start reading, but you don't have the word, start reading the book of Psalms. And start at Psalm chapter 1 because um, very quickly, having read perhaps a dozen or more Psalms, you will have found a Psalm which expresses where you're at, which reflects something of where you're at. Because the Psalms aren't just books of worship, they are books, uh, chapters, letters of uh, writings of worship, they're about real life. They're about meeting God in the reality of everyday life, of sadness, of loss, of pain, of distress, of intense joy, of uh, pleasure, of all sorts of different things. The Psalms are an amazing collection of writings, absolutely wonderful collection of writings, and yet what they all do is they head towards celebrating how good, how faithful, how wonderful God is. And so they're a great tool to help us to understand something of worship. For me, one uh, key passage, which I guess has particularly shaped uh, how I think of worship um, in, from the Old Testament, is actually reflected in Psalm 51. But 
is actually in 1 Samuel 15, 22. The original account happens. You don't need to turn to it, but you can if you want to. Basically, what's happened is Samuel has blown it. Oh, sorry, not Samuel. Let's read it together. It'd be far better, wouldn't it? Me trying to summarize things and then getting it wrong. 1 Samuel 15, 22. Saul is king, and Saul has got it wrong. He's blown it big time. And Samuel is God's prophet, and he comes to uh, Saul and to challenge Saul. And Saul sort of basically says, well, look what I've done. I've, I've done all this for God. And uh, in verse 20, he says this, But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Wow. And basically what happened here is, is, is Saul had done things he thought was right. But he'd moved away from obedience to God. And Samuel's bringing this powerful challenge. Does God delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? No. That's the, that's the answer which is presumed. That's how it's written. No, he doesn't. Is that what he's after? No, God isn't after that. What's God after? As much as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Wow. Obedience. And he goes on, to obey is better than sacrifice. Wow. So worship isn't about sacrifice then. No, no, that was the Old Testament system. Bulls and rams being sacrificed to try and atone for sin. No, that was the Old Testament system. We don't need that now. Jesus has died. Jesus has made a way. We don't need to make sacrifice. God's looking for people whose heart is after him. Whose heart is after him. People who go, Lord, I want to obey you. I want to get, get hold of what you're saying. Because you see, obedience is a heart issue. Jesus later defines disciples and what it means to be a disciple in the New Testament in Matthew 28, 20. He says, Making disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Interesting, isn't it? That link again. Seems that if we're to be followers of Jesus, that's what a disciple is. Hey, then there's a call to obedience. There's a call to obedience, to getting hold of what God has said to us in his word, what God is saying to us today, and living it out to obedience, a, a heart which is turned to God. That's what results in obedience. Not some system where, we've, where I've got a tick list. If I do these 10 things every day, 
then I'll be right before God. No, no, God's, God's looking for a relationship. God is relational. He's looking for a heart relationship with us. He wants our lives to be given over to him in devotion. Devotion, that's a, an interesting word, isn't it? It's actually a word which is used in the New Testament. Um, the, the Greek work is, uh, is, is kunio, uh, to do reverence or to express devotion to. It's a word which is often translated as worship, but actually it's about devotion, it's about reverence, it's about uh, another uh, definition of the word would be to kiss. It involves intimacy, it involves delight, it involves relationship. And so when we think about worship, what we're talking about here is something to do with our hearts. It's not about performance, it's not about how good we look, how, how much we dance, or how many times we stick our hands in the air or anything like that. No, you know, God's not after that. He's after our hearts, the expression of our hearts, our hearts' devotion worked out in our lives. So now I'd like us, if you've got your Bible with you, to turn to the book of Matthew. And chapter 22 and verse 34. And what's been going on here is uh, Jesus uh, has been talking to the uh, 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 Pharisees who have been asking him some questions. And he's tried to explain something of the kingdom of God. First of all, he's a, uh, uh, he shares the parable of the wedding banquet And then he talks about marriage at the resurrection, and it says this in verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, that was one religious group, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It's interesting, isn't it? That Jesus doesn't say the greatest commandment is worship God as such. What he says is he expresses it differently. He says, love the Lord your God, which is basically worship, expressing your love, with, and this is how you're to do it, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. In other words, everything that makes you, you, the whole of you, give yourself, give all that you are in worship, in delighting in God. That's massive. The enormity of what that call is. It's to affect everything, the whole of our lives. It's not just about uh, an occasion where we spend time in worship and expressing that delight. No, no, this is far bigger. It's, It's one of the lines why we spend time in worship, singing songs of worship and delighting God. So I'd like to suggest, very briefly, six things that worship is. First of all, I think it's a response. Worship is a response to something or someone, in this instance, to God. 
It's our response to God. Therefore, at its heart, it will be built around who God is. You can't worship something you don't know. So worship is about enjoying who God is, about celebrating uh, his character, his nature, all that he is and all that he has done. You know, that's why sometimes when we come to corporate times of worship together, it's so good to sing songs about who God is. It reminds us, it bolsters us, it strengthens us in our inner man, in our spirit. Saying, yeah, God is faithful. Yes, he's just. Yes, he's good. He's perfect in all his ways. He's the essence of love. Those sort of songs just strengthen us. And that's so important because so often, day to day, we can lose that perspective on God through being busy and through what goes on. You know, it's why it's great to spend time enjoying God daily, spending time with him. You may want to call it a quiet time. It doesn't need to be quiet. It's just spending time with God. You know, that's why reading the Word's helpful, because the Word describes something of who God is. It's, 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 it's the foundation of how we understand who God is. That's where we dig in and can see the character of God as revealed in Jesus in the New Testament Gospels. We can see the nature of Almighty God throughout His Word. He reveals Himself through His Word. As we spend time in prayer, as we delight ourselves talking with our Heavenly Father, not just uh, talking to, but talking with, that is listening to Him, hearing Him speak to us, because God loves to speak to us. Worship starts as a response to knowing someone. That is Almighty God, as you know Him, as we see Him for all that He is, as we chew on who God is, our hearts go, wow, yes, God, you're good. God, I want to give myself to you. God, I want to trust my, my life with you in your hands. Second thing is this, worship's a heart matter. It's not just a mind thing. Yeah, it involves the mind, absolutely. But it's a heart matter. Fundamentally, it's a reflection of the state of our hearts with God. Okay, make this observation. If we're not worshipping him, if we're not taking time to delight ourselves in him, to live for him, to let our lives be an offering of worship to him, I'd like to ask this question. If you're in that place, how's your relationship with God? That's not said in a condemning way. Please don't hear it in a condemning way. But surely... If worship is a heart matter, and it is, if our relationship with God's not strong, then we're going to find worship difficult. If we're, if we're not friends with God because perhaps we've fallen out with him, we've done something, gone our own way, we need to return. We need to return. We need to humble ourselves. We need to say, God, I've realized I'm in control again. I don't want to be in control. God, I want my heart to be soft before you. There's that wonderful psalm, Psalm 51, which I've already referred to, where David, having had an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, goes, creating me a clean heart, O God. 
and renew a right spirit in me. He comes before God. He knows he's blown it. He knows he's got it wrong. Nathan the prophet has turned up and said, David, you've been having an affair. What are you going to do about it? In fact, you've not only had an affair, as a result of that affair, you've committed murder. And his heart's response is, oh, no, I've blown it. He sees it for what it is. And you can read his response in Psalm 51. It's so powerful. It talks about how he can be cleansed, how God cleanses us. He makes us pure. He restores relationship with us. And as he sings, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit in me. Don't, don't cast me from your presence, but, oh God, I want to be yours again. Friends, that's our choice. You can make that choice today. If you've been away from God, maybe, maybe it's just been for a few hours. Maybe it's been weeks or even months. Maybe you've been holding back on him, holding out on him. Today you can come back to him. Today you can be restored to him. Jesus' blood is sufficient for whatever you've done. We sung about the blood of Jesus earlier. It is sufficient, totally sufficient. Your heart your life can be restored with God today. Please, don't leave here without getting it sorted. So worship is a heart matter. It's an expression of devotion to God. In um, the book of Acts, so I won't read it now, but uh, in Acts 17.23, if you want to look it up later on, it, uh, there's a phrase, it's, um, it's an account um, of... Uh, of um, oh, I'm going to read it, it's easier trying to explain it. It's that Paul is in Athens. He's talking to the people of Athens. He says, Paul stands up in a meeting and says, Men of Athens, I see in every way you are very religious for us. I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. And he, he challenges. Do you know that phrase where he talks about worship? The, the best translation of that is that thing which you are devoted to. That's it. That's it. The word there is about devotion. Again, he's saying, hey, those gods that you worship, those gods you are devoted to. What gods are we devoted to? What gods are we worshipping? It's our heart. And thirdly, worship is therefore an expression of our love for God. It is that great command we've just read. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Whole of life. We express worship in lots of different ways. Yes, through how we uh, express love, adoration, but also fascination. The whole thing of awe and wonder, being in awe of God, just thinking about who God is. Allowing the wonder of what he's done just to grab hold of us. But also celebration. It's got aspects of intimacy as well as proclamation of how great God it is. It's got aspects of intimacy, that word to kiss, one of the translations of uh, some of the Greek words is to kiss. I mean, how intimate is kissing? Wow, to kiss God, to come into his presence. Whew. So worship is about expressing our love for God. Fourthly, worship, therefore, 
is to affect the whole of our lives. Worship isn't just something we do in a meeting. Okay? That is really important. Corporate worship is really important. It, uh, individual worship, uh, spending time delighting in God just by ourselves, that's really important too. But please don't see worship as just singing songs. Singing songs is a powerful expression of worship, but it's to affect everything, every aspect of our lives. Every single aspect of our lives. It's the whole of us. That's why it was talking about in Matthew 22, heart, mind, soul. It's everything. How's my life? How's my life reflect my worship of God? How I am with my work colleagues? Maybe the jokes or the stories I tell. How I treat other people. How's that reflect my worship of God? My attitude to other people, situations, circumstances which are trying or testing or challenging. Worship's there to affect the whole of our lives. Our whole of our lives are to be worshipped to God. When we truly worship something, it will transform the way we live. When we worship something, it will transform the way we live. And for us as believers, when we worship Almighty God, it takes us to a place of living a holy lifestyle. Now, that doesn't mean we can't get things wrong. Of course we'll get things wrong. But again, it's the heart. They say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I want to please God. I'm not here to please myself. I'm here to please God. I'm here to delight in him, to express something of my delight and pleasure in him in how I live my life, 24-7. Fifthly, because we do need to move on, it seems that the Holy Spirit is also there to help us, therefore, to live this life. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he draws us closer to the Father. He reminds us of who we are, sons, children of God, loved sons and children of God. And, of course, that just makes me want to worship him more say oh yeah wow that's so good i just want to thank you thank you because you love me he affirms who we are and he draws us into the father he reminds us of the grace of god that we're no longer condemned but that we live in the grace of god how good that is how wonderful the grace and mercy of god are and then finally when we gather, when we delight ourselves in God and encourage each other to do the same, worship together is really important. Times of worship together are really, really important. That's why we, when we meet on a, on a day like today, we spend time worshipping together. Why? Because we want to celebrate how good God is. We want to encourage one another how, uh, uh, about the character and the nature of God. We want to help one another meet with Almighty God. See, worship is the whole of life. And yet there are special moments where we as believers get to draw together and celebrate the goodness of God, what we call corporate worship, times of our corporate worship, where we're together. 
So how on earth do you summarize worship? Well, it's massive, isn't it? It's whole of life. But I came across this quote. In fact, somebody sent me this quote this week, written by a guy called Louis Giglio. You may have come across him. And this was his definition. Worship is our response, personal and corporate, to Almighty God. It's our response for who he is and what he has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way in which we live. I thought, you know what, that's a jolly good summary. I'll say it again if you're making notes. Worship is our response, or if you just want to think on it for a moment. So it's a response, it's both personal and corporate, to God. To Almighty God. It's our response. It's not just personal, it's not just corporate, it's both. It's a response for who he is, to who he is, to the splendor, the majesty, the greatness of Almighty God, and yet also to what he has done what he may have done in our lives, bringing us to a place of salvation, revealing himself to us, revealing the importance of Jesus on the cross to us, that we know we can have our sins dealt with and we can come into relationship with him. Or maybe it's other things he's done in our lives where we can say, well, we have a testimony of how he's met with us in a particular set of circumstances or how he's answered a prayer of us. Those are all different responses, but they're all equally valid for who he is and what he has done, expressed in and by the way we say things, the things we say, and the way in which we live. Friends, we are called to worship God with our whole lives. Not just a little bit, not holding back the rest and going, well, God, you had the hour on Sunday morning, that's enough. No, whole of lives. Affecting everything, our attitudes, our actions, our heart. It is an expression of a heart which has been won to Almighty God and changed and transformed through knowing him. Such that everything we think do, say, how we live becomes part of our worship to him. Challenging. Don't know about you, as I've been preparing this, I've been so provoked and challenged. How do we do this? Well, we do it in the grace of God. It's not about a tick sheet, I've got to do this, 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 and this, and this. We do it out of relationship with God out of a delight in who God is, out of the goodness of God. But we do it because we understand something of who God is as well. Over these next four weeks, we're going to explore what this looks like together for our Sunday meetings particularly. That's going to be our focus. But for now, I'd like to make an invitation. I'd like to invite you, if you want to Say, God, I want to know more of what it is to worship you throughout my life. I want to invite you to stand at this point.
It's no pressure. If you can't stand, you're not able to, or you don't want to, that's fine. And I'd like to invite you to now express what you're wanting to say to God to him. He's here. I can't tell God what you're feeling, but you can. So why don't you just tell God now where you're at? Why don't you surrender yourself to him? Help us, Lord. We commit ourselves to you, almighty God. We want to hear that greatest command, to love you with all of our hearts, with our lives, with our, uh, with our soul, with everything that we are. I want to say that's our desire, Lord. I want to be a people who worship you in all that we are, in all that we do, in all that we say. Help us, Lord. Teach us what that is. Help us to to take steps of growth together and individually. To draw closer to you. To express our love and devotion to you. So we commit ourselves to you, trusting you, Lord. Help us, Father. Give us your spirit to help us too. We know your spirit will come and help us if we ask. So we ask, fill us a fresh Holy Spirit. Help us to live lives sold out for you. Lives of worship for you. In Jesus' almighty name, thank you, Father. Amen.